Welcome, everybody, to episode 151 of the Metabilis 2 podcast, which features myself, Ben. And David. And we are socially distancing ourselves here, as usual. By about 300 <laughs> miles, which is the yep, optimum uh, distance, as advised by the CDC. It, it is. Um, you want to keep that maximum distance between yep. podcasters at all times. All it, times, in case they exchange any viral particles. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, and you are in the epicenter of the epidemic up in Seattle there. Yeah, um, I mean, who knows what they'll eventually find out, but yeah, Kirkland is ground zero. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't actually dared drive or walk past the nursing home in question, um, mm-hmm. but um, it's where it all started, folks. Yep. Yep, yep, indeed. So, yeah. Big runs on toilet paper here and in England, I saw also the... Yeah, well, thanks to our glorious leader, Mr. Boris Johnson, whose governmental strategy in Britain appears to be just let everyone get it. Um, and that's literally their strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're on record as saying that. And that means a bunch of people are going to die. I think people are freaking out. So yeah. Maybe that strategy will change. Mm-hmm. Well, I noticed that Louise Jamison did the BFI thing earlier today for the towns of Wang Chiang. So I guess not all things are canceled in Britain like no, they are. No, I think uh, nerdling around on Facebook today, I think it was touch and go that it was going to be canceled. Um, but I think eventually they decided to just kind of go ahead with it. I mean, you know, London's such a crowded place. Right. Um, I mean, in some way, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people are going to get it anyway. Yeah, Nick Briggs avoided it. Didn't go. Did he? Yep. Viral oh. concerns, I guess. Viral concerns. Wow, mm-hmm. I didn't. Goodness, goodness. Well, and this, we and just to kind of make a segue into tonight's topic, which we we kicked it around, and <laughs> it is the uh, tip of tip of everyone's uh, mind here. Oh, mind, right? Yeah. yeah. So we are going to talk about viruses and bacteria, plagues infections and doctor who we are give series 12 uh, another week off here and do yeah why not why not uh, but uh, Let's make it topical Let's but make it topical. to tie in series 12 there was two i guess one virus and one bacterial infection in series 12 we had the hopper virus in orphan 55 indeed we which did. was kind of a comedic virus in many ways oh, 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 oh funny virus yeah <laughs> and then in praxius we had the bacterium the alien pathogen which uh, turned people into scaly plastic people. Yeah, we did. Yeah, I'd kind of forgotten about that. But yes, yes, they did. Goodness. So I guess Chris Chibnall has his pulse on epidemics, I guess, epidemiology. I, I guess so, yes. Yeah, I, I've, um, I'd completely forgotten all about Praxius. That was the one that had the abandoned hospitals. Yeah. Was that, was that really a virus, though? Was it no, that was a bacterium. It was an alien bacterium. And I think Doctor Who, throughout, especially Terry Nation, exchanges bacteria and virus pretty interchangeably. Yeah. I think, yeah. I mean, he's he's mainly a bacteria guy, I think, really, yeah. rather than a yeah, virus yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. so as I understand it, a bacteria is a single-celled or organism, yeah. bac- bacteriological. But a virus is a less than a single cell. It, it actually hijacks a cell to use its uh, reproductive capabilities to reproduce itself. So, its viruses are smaller than bacteria, I guess. Yeah, I've always thought like viruses are more evil than bacteria. Hmm. Than bacteria. Because um, bacteria, at least, are in some way related to us. Mm-hmm. Um, but viruses are like, no, we're evil. <laughs> and actually, having to, just to hijack the conversation mm-hmm. even further, I spent a very pleasant afternoon watching The Invisible Enemy. Thinking about <laughs> With viruses. the nucleus of the swarm. The nucleus of the swarm. And, that, and he is a virus. And I'm going to call him a he. Because mm-hmm. I think he is. He's played by John Leeson um, <laughs> and John Scott Martin. So he's definitely a he. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a, a, the nucleus of the swarm is a virus. Mm-hmm. So it kind of behaves a little bit like I would expect a bacteria too. So I don't know. Yeah, and in, in advance of this topic, I rewatched The Ark. Oh. So that'd be the interesting. Kind of the the earliest uh, story that I right. could pull off the top of my uh, t- top of my head from yeah. using viruses, and that's definitely a virus. It's a virus, yeah. She, I think Dodo has a cold, like the common cold. She does have a cold, and Stephen gets a, a pretty bad fever, and it almost wipes out the whole colony. Yeah, ship. exactly. Or that is her th- fear until the doctor miraculously... 
comes off of a cure. Now, who's 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 our writer on um, the arc? Oh, it's uh. I'm sorry, I I put you on the spot there. Didn't mean to. You did. So that would be Paul Erickson and his then wife. Leslie Scott, and we don't know if she actually did more writing. She isn't really credited anywhere. Uh, a Leslie Just made the coffee. A <laughs> Leslie Scott is uh, credited in one of the Doctor Who annuals. Uh, oh, really? For, but it's unclear if they're the same person. But Paul Erickson, who wrote for uh, I think Paul Temple and Out of the Unknown. Okay. This is his thing. But the arc really focused in entirely on the virus, like you said. Dodo had a cold, and yep. it's the common flu. I think is what they were uh, saying, and the the people in the twenty fifth segment of time, or whatever they are, whatever they are, <laughs> are in the arc knew nothing of viruses. So it was. It was having the same effect as coronavirus, novel coronavirus, COVID-19, as uh, on the arc, as our current virus is having on the population. Yeah, and actually having just come back from Hawaii, all that stuff happened to, of course, the Pacific Islands and the um, and uh, North America as well, mm-hmm. when all us Europeans arrived and gave everybody a horrible disease. So I don't know why we're all being so smug at the moment. So just kind of a sidebar there, was there anything going on in Hawaii on to and from on the planes or any kind of screening or anything? Um, not really. I mean, I'll have to say the plane we flew back from Maui was the cleanest smelling domestic airplane I've ever been on. Usually they like they reek. Right, you know, right. Because they turn those things around mm-hmm. in like 10 seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, but they'd obviously really swabbed it down. Was it a crowded flight or... Um, uh, well, Amanda and I, we had a, we had, a, we, we were, we, uh, I had the aisle seat, she had the window seat and we had a space in the middle. Oh, so it wasn't packed. Yeah, it was packed towards the back, but of course, um, with my, with my exalted mileage status, um, <laughs> we were a little bit further towards the front. So that was nice. Mm-hmm. I heard yeah. many exalted mileages are complaining that they might not get their miles in this year if, uh, travel is oh. canceled too much because, uh, oh dear! I work has quarantined us at home, so we're all socially distant. They've cut all travel, and people aren't going to get their miles. Well, that's true. Could be. Could be. Could be. Um, I I don't really care either way, mm-hmm. to be honest. I mean, I I haven't got that many miles. It just means I get a slightly preferential treatment when it comes to picking seats. That's mm-hmm. all. I mean, I don't get like comfort <laughs> class or anything. Ah, anyway. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So I mean, I I think I think the arc, I would have said the arc is is I think often the case with some of the older stories, though I guess all, all the stories are somewhat older at this mm-hmm. point of the classic era. Um, I, I've always taken the arc to be kind of a riff off the, you know, Europeans coming to America, bringing everyone a disease um, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. they can't get over kind of thing. Yeah. And the monoids being kind of, I don't know, something to do with being Native Americans. Yeah, the monoids are kind of an interesting thing because they came to Earth after their planet had died and then they offered their services basically as servants or slaves to the humans and then we kind of proto ouds yeah they are kind of proto ouds so it'd be there's a there's a race uh <laughs> gunning to come back under chibno era it seems like it would be a more an rtd type uh, monoids yeah yeah could have had fun with those but yeah they're yeah. kind of like proto ouds where they were all servants and then they invert the Invert the uh, power dynamic in the second part of the arc. So, but the, yeah, they, they they become all revolting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and their security kitchen and everything, as I as I have heard tell. Um, but the, so apart from just being a kind of plot device, does the um, does the common cold like do anything in other than allow a kind of role reversal to happen? Well, the 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 common cold really is only in play for the first two episodes of the so arc. I mean, yeah. yeah, and so you. You, as a viewer, think it's all tidied up. The doctor has saved the day, uh, came up with a cure for the cold and uh, the cure for the fever, and they leave. And then we have the the second part of the story is much like a modern two-parter. The, the, the second part has nothing to do with the first part other than, you know, it's a, it's a play on what happened. But it, I don't think it really had anything to do with the fever that the cold right. that dodo had yeah. just it was very interesting that it was, it was focused in specifically on viral uh, infections and how in populations where there is no immunity and natural immunity to it it just goes straight through like Bam. knife through butter and it, yeah. it attacked the oldest people and and the monoids were dying from it so it was uh, a cross-species virus even. right so I, mean, I think I think the next time that, that diseases turn up in a in a kind of major sense, 
is the Silurians, right? Yeah, they were releasing a bacteria that... Uh, yes. Some kind of uh, disease that they were going to wipe out humanity that the ape primitives had not had any any resistance to or was particularly virulent. Yeah, and I think actually that's expanded a little bit in the novelization, Doctor Who and the Cave Monsters. Mm-hmm. Um, I think because I think it had been developed by the Silurian scientists back in you know the good old Eocene days yeah. as a way of uh, as a kind of getting rid of uh, pests. Oh. Yeah, it was like a like myxomatosis for rabbits or something. Mm-hmm, you know, it was mm-hmm. like a deliberately introduced disease mm-hmm. that they produce in order to get rid of kind of rats and mice and you know just kind of humans, um, irritating, mammals in general, <laughs> ir- irritating mammals who were eating the solarine crops. Huh. Yeah, that you know that that's kind of Mac Hulk twist on things you would expect when in his uh, novelizations that a little bit expansion a little more background oh, he's a smart guy it, yeah. i mean cave monsters i think is probably you know it's very near number one for me in terms of the in terms of the novelizations mm-hmm. yeah, it's a very 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 good one it came up cross more i think in the television uh, story it was they didn't mention that their scientist had been working on it but it it, it seemed more to be more of a plague type Thing that they the Silurians had kept in stasis for for just this type of occasion it seemed oh well again I mean the novelizations yeah I mean they're actually they're absolutely using it as a plague to kill all humans but it, it had its origins as, as a kind of pest control mm-hmm. um, device yeah I mean I think one thing about interesting about the Silurians I mean it doesn't it doesn't really flag um, but there is a lot of Silurians to watch um, mm-hmm. It's like eight. It's eight episodes, right? Or is it seven? Seven, seven, seven episodes. No. Yeah, which is a lot. Which is a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, and again, I mean, I think at that point we all say how much we enjoy these long uh, stories in that first Pertwee season. Mm-hmm. But it can be a little bit kind of Republic serial-ish to my mind, which is fine because that's all all fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, and the Silurian disease just. It's just come a little bit out of nowhere, as far as I recall. I've not watched Solorans for a while. Yeah, it's more towards the end where it comes in. But I think that's much like uh, with Infernal, where you have the parallel world. If it's just just the uh, drillhead site for the right. uh, Stallman gas, it, it's not much of an episode. So I think with the extended nature of these long serials, introducing the virus or the plague or the, the, the bacterial infection around episode five, six, and then, you know, with uh, Jeffrey Palmer as Masters just Ooh, going yeah. full Ebola there, it, it adds, it, it ramps up, it tightens up that uh, pressure because you, you have, yeah, the stakes, because you have the nuclear threat and then now you have a biological threat towards the end. Yeah. And it really does establish the Silurians as like, well, these are people we really can't get on with. Mm-hmm. They are apt to destroy um, the human race because we are in we are pests. We are an infection um, mm-hmm. on their on their planet. And mm-hmm. you know, as much as the doctor likes to moan about it, there was really nothing they could do except mute the site from orbit, um, as the saying goes, and uh, blow up the caves. Yeah, yeah. Well, it it did shut them down, and it was it was kind of a one off until they were brought back as the sea devils. But they weren't. They were another form of eocenes. Yeah, I'll tell you something we saw a lot of when we were in Hawaii, a lot of turtles. Mm-hmm. Um, and every time I saw a turtle, it was like, oh, look, it's a sea devil. Because <laughs> their faces, <laughs> turtles' faces and sea devils' faces are very, very similar. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, only sea devils are bigger and they, they can walk on their hind legs and they wear those funny outfits. And turtles weren't wearing blue mesh at all? No, 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 they weren't. I was looking around, uh-huh. uh, but sadly, no turtle was threatening me. Well, that was probably a good thing because it would have been like plastic or oh, yeah, something that's like that. True, it would have been. <laughs> oh dear, yeah, too soon. Um, yeah, yeah, um, uh, yeah. But I, I guess the sea devils they didn't they didn't really bother with the whole um, disease thing. Maybe the maybe that part of the Eocene crew um, hadn't been given. Maybe because they live underwater, they didn't need like a kind of a pest control disease. Yeah. That yeah. was a Mac Hulk story too, if, if memory serves right. Was I it? think it was. Yeah. What was the Sea Devil's plan, actually? I'm forgetting at this point. It was, it was a master's, to, master's plan. But what was his evil plan? How were they going to do it? I can't remember. Was it... Hmm. <laughs> hmm. See, I'm flummoxing us every time with kind of basic questions. Um, they were just going to attack the oil rigs, weren't they? It would just be irritating. 
Well, that was the uh, Zygons who were attacking the oil uh, rigs. They were attacking the sea base. I thought the sea devils were attacking like the oil rigs in the channel. Well, they had... <laughs> do we know anything about this show? Or are we just... I don't no, think I don't so. Think I think we need to rewatch. <laughs> we need to rewatch the sea devils. I don't think we know anything about Doctor Who. Hang on, I'm looking up sea devils now. Wait a second. Sea devils. They must have had a plan. I'm sure it wasn't a very good one. Was it something to do with the nuclear submarine? No, because it wasn't a nuclear missile submarine. It was like an attack submarine. Oh. I am literally making it up right now. Okay, all right, here we go. So the master is going to, he has a machine and he's going to revive all of the dormant sea devils across the world. Mm -hmm. And that's his plan. But I don't think the sea devils have a plan other than just revive themselves. So they're the monster heavy in this story. Yeah, and I think I think I think probably once they discover themselves revived, then they'll move on to the, their actual plan mm -hmm. to destroy all humanity. Um, but I don't think they actually have a. They don't have an actionable plan. They haven't gone through a strategic planning process. Well, they had just woken up. Yeah, yeah, yeah with yeah. their you know with their line manager um, <laughs> uh, to just kind of. They haven't gone over this year's uh, goals at all. They <laughs> they haven't gone, haven't gone over this year's goals yet. They're only review, so they're not sure what to do. They're just going to wake up and okay. Anyway, so that's that was all completely irrelevant mm -hmm. to our topic about, about viruses. I was just kind of curious to try and remember whether the sea devils had a, access to a virus or a bomb or something. Yeah, they that, did not have a plan and they did not they have did. a virus. So uh, yeah. totally, totally irrelevant to our discussion. Totally relevant to, to the topic of conversation. Um, I think the other thing I was thinking about in terms of kind of diseases, the number one lover of diseases mm. in the Doctor Who canon uh, Doctor Who writers um, is of course Terry Nation. <laughs> he was obsessed with them. Almost every with every disease. story had some kind of plague or germ bomb. Yeah, or yeah. So Dalek invasion of Earth. We've got I think we've got virus bombs or plague bombs. Plague bombs, germ is, bombs, or something. With the Daleks like that. used yeah. to kind of decimate. Maybe maybe we're under Dalek attack right now. Who knows? Oh, um, well, there you go. <laughs> and, there you go. Exactly. Um, so the Daleks mm -hmm. that. That's kind of how they took over Earth, right? They did. They did, they did germ bombs or biological bombs. Yeah, and um, uh, I'm just you know mentally running through my Terry Nation stories now. Of course, um, Planet of the Daleks. The Daleks were readying. I'd say that's more of a defoliant, wasn't it? That they were they were working on. It was. Uh, it was a biological a, weapon, though. Yeah, some kind of biological. I mean, I I often thought that you know the. Planet of the Daleks is kind of Vietnam -y in some sort of way. The Daleks are like the Americans. <laughs> They're evil, like the Americans are. Uh, um, and uh, yeah, the Daleks were coming up with a biological weapon that would you know, destroy all life on the planet mm -hmm. um, and thus make it suitable for da Dalek, Dalek conquest. Then, of course, it gets accidentally released and the Daleks have to suck it up and get destroyed in their own little lab. Which right. Is well, a so, so a bit more than a defoliant. A bit more than a defoliant, more just a general purpose killing, mm -hmm. killing a, a death particle, if you will. Uh, <laughs> it was the Dalek death particle. <laughs> the Dalek death particle. Um, and then, of course, in uh, Death to the Daleks, it does exactly what it says on the tin. Everyone is, is, is fleeing a horrible space plague. Mm -hmm. uh, and, of course, as usual with these space plagues, the only planet in the universe where the, where the antidote is to be found is the planet of Exilon. The excellence of excellence. Excellence of excellence, um, which is what? What is? It's not Terinium, is it? It's one of those Terry Nation style. Um, perinium. Perinium. There you go. <laughs> which always seemed to me to be slightly too near to perinium. Hmm. Isn't that a bit on your body somewhere? I think it is. Anyway, um, perinium is what they're looking for, and that will cure <laughs> the space plague. It's mining and Terry Nation. <laughs> they go hand in hand. It's, it's mining and plagues. Yep. It's the perfect Terry Nation story. Exactly. <laughs> Not only does, does everyone have a plague, but it can only be cured by digging a mine. <laughs> <laughs> Which ties so, back to Dalek invasion of Earth. They're, they're of digging course, a if mine. Only, yeah, if only the Daleks, instead of, of, kind of their daft plan to pilot the Earth around the universe using some big motor, maybe they should have just been digging for, I don't know. Perineum. Digging for Stalman's gas so they can turn <laughs> everyone into monkeys. Into ogrons. Oh, my God. Here we are. Well, this is fanfic right the, here. The circle is complete. Okay, this is it. This is how it works. The Daleks were actually digging through the Earth's crust to get Stalman's gas to turn humans to ogrons, and they actually did it, and that's where <laughs> ogrons come from. Anyway. So, 
like you said, for the the arc, it was the writer is most likely doing the virus infections of North and South America when the Europeans came over. Right. What do you think uh, Terry Nation's uh, fixation is? Do you think it's biological weapons or? I think it's Nazis, actually. I mean, I think he's thinking about kind of Nazis. I mean, the Daleks are basically Nazis. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're certainly like many... by the invasion of Earth, they are. Yeah, and so yeah, they do experiments on people. You know, they live in little tanks, um, like trapped tanks. The Dalek mm-hmm. casing is like a tank. Mm-hmm. I don't, actually, I don't mean tanks like a little like a goldfish bowl. And um, <laughs> so you know, and everyone—not everyone knows—but I mean, you know, again, we're all, certainly sixties and seventies. We're all obsessed with kind of evil Nazi experiments. Um, and I guess evil medical experiments leads you to biological warfare. I think also we were kind of obsessed as well with, you know, I think uh, both the Soviet Union and the United States, and certainly in the 60s, were working on biological weapons. Right. Um, so I think it was sort of in the air, basically. And of and course, you know, again, we were Hopefully not in the air. <laughs> well, actually, not in the air, in fact. Unlike today, when of course yes. everything's in the air. Um, and I think we were, we were all worried about some kind of apocalypse. I know I've talked about this before, but um, Terry Nation went on to write Survivors, which is a hmm. great genre. Three series of genre BBC TV from the uh, 1970s, which is, is about a world-spanning viral event which kills everybody and there's mm-hmm. like maybe a million people left on the entire planet. Um, and that's a, that's a fun show. Actually, I hardly recommend that to anybody who hasn't seen it. Um, it doesn't really have anyone from Dr. Who in it, apart from Patrick Trown, who is in season two of survivors. Um, uh, when I first saw it, I was like, yes, it, that's, it's going to be survivors. Dr. Who crossover, but um, spoiler alert, he gets killed in the first 10 minutes. So <laughs> it doesn't last very long. Sadly, okay. never mind. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, Terry Nation loved disease. I mean, of course, again, I mean, did, let's just look at um, Genesis of the Daleks, where an entire uh, planet has been ravaged mm-hmm. by war, including biological weapons, uh, biological and chemical weapons. Um, and, you know, the, the, the Davros does fantasize about having a, let's call it a death particle, which mm-hmm. he could just break with a single flick of his finger or whatever, whatever his phraseology is and destroy everything. Yeah, that's probably the most famous scene in Genesis of the Daleks, I think, when uh, Tom Baker's doctor confronts Davros with the idea of releasing this this virus that could kill yeah. everything. And it, it it's a it's a hypothetical question. It's, it's, in, in the U.S., whatever Supreme Court uh, justice uh, nominee would not answer. It's uh, hypothetical. Oh, right. But the doctor poses it as, Davros, if you had created a virus in your laboratory, something contagious and infectious that killed on contact, a virus that would destroy all other forms of life, would you allow its use? And they you know, go back and forth. And the climax of that particular scene is, with uh, Michael Wisher going, yes, yes, uh, to hold in my hand a capsule that contains such power, to know that life and death on such a scale was my choice, to knowing that the tiny pressure on my thumb, enough to break the glass, would end everything. And then he goes, you know, yes, of course he'd do it, and that power would set him up above the gods. So I think what's interesting here, I want to touch back on the survivors because the premise of the survivors was, wasn't it some kind of plague pandemic that's been released by Chinese scientists that quickly spreads through the world? Um, it was, I mean, it's kind of ambiguous. So at the very beginning, so in the credit sequence, which is the credit sequence of every yeah, episode yeah, of Survivors, yeah. um, it starts out with a what appears to be a Chinese, Japanese, Korean generic person from that part of the world scientist drops a vial um or a kind of a i don't, I don't want to tell you the big kind of globe holder of juice onto the floor that, that then shatters and then you see kind of a montage of him getting on an airplane and flying away what is of course is incredibly i mean I, i'm a huge fan of survivors um what is of course incredibly cool about that sequence is that what's clear as the kind of plot unfolds nobody knows how the disease started mm-hmm. um and in fact you know even the viewer doesn't really know because it's not really made clear in that credit sequence mm-hmm. um so it's never made explicit mm-hmm. you know whether the disease is natural or man-made or natural that's been enhanced by kind of man-made agency etc 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 and so when peter harness and stephen moffat kind of did that same 
lab going wrong mishap in what a pyramid at the end of the world right. in the middle of series 10 with the monkey trilogy right it is the same sort of mistake where something goes wrong in a lab this case in wales or england or some place yeah, in yeah, the yeah. uk with yeah. they're they're doing biological bacterial work and that's how the monks exploit it this cataclysmic disaster absolutely this is a trope that nation had in the 70s was 75 i think was when survivors first aired yeah yeah so it's it, this all happens by accident no one did it deliberately right. it's you know and i think that's what's good about that approach because mm-hmm. it takes the cock up uh, uh, analysis to you know human history rather than the kind of you know conspiracy right um, aspect i mean again i mean i'll just you know finish off my enthusing about survivors what is again also awesome about survivors is what it really is it's it's the walking dead without the irritation of there being zombies wandering around mm. um it's a very kind of existential show what, what frustrates me about shows like the walking dead is that it's not simply enough for that show to have the entire population of the world is dead. But they've also got to have zombies as well, mm-hmm. which is like, okay, well, I guess what's great about Survivors is that is the only, the kind of driver of every plot is that there is no one else left alive. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what do you do if there's no one around? Everyone, again, I mean, I think people who are maybe less, more critical about Survivors than I am, that I think a lot of people make a fuss about how season two of Survivors is really boring because all they're doing is kind of learning how to plant crops again. Right. I actually found it really super fascinating because like, okay, what would you do if there was no one else around? Mm-hmm. The planet is fine, crops still grow, there is no threat apart from your fellow man, and there's not many of them around anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do you actually kind of rebuild society? Which makes it a very kind of 70s style show because it's about um uh you know kind of self-sufficiency right it's kind of, you know, the good it's, life <laughs> it's, it's basically the good life if if tom and barbara good were the only people left alive on the planet mm-hmm. which would be great actually that would be, that'd be a really fun show <laughs> um and you know so in some ways you know it also connects to i mean uh, it was it's analogous to colony in space you know where mm-hmm. you know okay you've got to try and make it work on a desolate alien planet but also i think closely connected to uh invasion of the dinosaurs so you know everything is wrong with the modern world we we should just sweep everything away and start again from scratch both themes were circulating all very common uh, themes within the 1970s then for for drama yeah but i think again i mean what you know nation is obviously very interested in diseases but i mean i think in some ways he's more interested in diseases as a as a way to get him where he wants to be which is everyone's dead or Mm -hmm. davros is being evil or you know the daleks are reduced to the level of a regular humans because mm-hmm. they don't have their guns and you know because they're, they're they're both looking for the same thing and none of them have any guns you know mm-hmm. like in death results one thing i just i just popped into my head when you were talking about when you're doing your quite excellent uh davros impression um <laughs> I, I think i think ladies and gentlemen we have a new davros and his yes. name is there you go David. yeah um is this that speech is really weirdly mirrored by the doctor's own speech famous speech when he's talking about do i have the right mm-hmm. yeah to, very much uh, so you know, which I think is what makes Genesis of the Daleks such a well-written and such a deservedly always near the top of the rankings of um, best story of all time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just to quote that, since you brought it up, it's the Doctor saying, do I have the right? Simply touch one wire against the other, and that's it. The Daleks cease to exist. Hundreds of millions of people, thousands of generations can live without fear, in peace, and never know the word Dalek. And then he... He wavers because it's it's, it's genocide and ultimately at the end of the episode, he does, with the assist of a Dalek trundling over the wires, blows up the nursery, the Dalek nursery, but it doesn't set them back only for a few hundreds of years and uh, retcon, this is the start of the Great uh, Time War. So when you're in in a hypothetical, Davros chooses yes and in the real life in real life the doctor chooses no which is the kind of the difference between the two and of course Mm -hmm. i think you know this kind of death particle death virus the desire (laughs) to destroy everything comes back um in uh in uh when what's the when uh what's when davros comes back in the new series anyway because that is davros's plan you know he's actually okay i am going to invent something that not only destroys all life but actually destroys all everything Mm-hmm. So that literally the only matter left in the entire universe will be things that are made of Dalek. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so um, again, I mean, I think that's RTD extrapolating from Genesis of the Daleks. The thing with Doctor Who and viruses and maladies, plagues, it's due to the nature of the show, it's always solved rather quickly, just like in the arc. It's within that episode or in the Silurians, the doctor comes up with a cure. An antidote, yeah. Yeah, and again, I think we saw that with Praxius, that she came up with a, a fix for it and atomized it throughout the environment and neutralized the bacterium. But uh, where the brilliance, I guess, in the original Survivors is for Terry Nation is not only is there not monsters, there's not zombies, but we're dealing with the aftermath. We're dealing with the effect that uh, it's like a Children of Earth and Torchwood the doctor isn't around to save the day. This is what the aftermath is. And often that makes for a better yeah. better drama for at least for an adult audience yeah and i think again you know to just go back to me talking about survivors what is genius about various episodes throughout the run of that three season show in the 70s that from time to time it's really not that bad mm-hmm. um and, you know people are happy and the crops they're growing crops they're making bread if the sun is shining um someone has a guitar you know it's it's really not that bad i mean yes everyone's dead but you found people who you get on with and you're supporting each other and we can we can probably rebuild the human race from here and i think you know there's often a desire and i think this is what really gets me about shows like the walking dead is we have this desire for kind of unrelenting grimness in Mm. you know post-apocalyptic shows so there is no way out in the walking dead and whereas survivors actually shows you that there is there is something good that could happen. Mm-hmm. Like the Doctor says at the end of Genesis of the Daleks, you know, out of, out, of, out of great evil like the Daleks, you know, there may be some good that will come. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of a hopeful thing. Plus the other thing I never get about, what I never understand about zombie shows and maybe someone who, you know, someone can write in. Um, okay, so zombies are dead, right? Okay, zombies mm-hmm. are dead. They're reanimated corpses, yeah? They're like, um, they're like mummies or Draculas. Well, they're not like Draculas. They're like mummies. They're mindless automatons. They're yeah. going after brains. Why don't they just rot away after time? Good question. Like, I mean, I mean, Hala, The Walking Dead has been going for like 10 seasons or something now. Surely all the dead people by now will have like decayed. <laughs> it would be, be like, like skeletons. Uh, Ray Harryhausen or uh, yeah, uh, with yeah. just skeletons. They'll be like disarticulated skeletons. So they'll be like kind of skulls bouncing around going, ah, ah. Anyway, so yeah, that's what irritates me about zombie movies is that the longer it goes on, the more you go, okay, these are dead creatures then. Well, there's a whole zombie thing was like invasion of the pod people or, you know, it's all about Soviets and infiltrating Western society. And I'm not sure it really works. That that, that metaphor doesn't really work anymore, I think. And so you get these uh, drawn out multi-season television series like walking dead where it really doesn't make sense but if you have the the night of the living dead where it's just a night then yes it makes sense perfect of course it makes absolute sense because yeah and and this is i mean i'll point to another well actually this is relevant because it stars the amazing christopher eccleston if you look at something like 28 days later which is a movie which has fast zombies in it um at the end of that movie, the the zombies are actually all kind of like, ah, oh, we're just rotting away now. Um, mm-hmm. We can't really be zombies anymore because... And that actually has kind of a good ending to that movie because it's like, okay, right, everyone's dead. All the zombies are kind of rotting away. So, okay, great. Now maybe there is some hope mm-hmm. thing. So anyway, yeah. What, what I find incredible in that, uh, in the Hinchcliffe Holmes era where they did a lot of pastiches of hammer type hymns and that type of stuff that they didn't do something of the world in the world which is the classic of viruses win and help humanity by the martians of course are not uh it's it's a twist on the theme that we had with the ark where they don't have any defenses so of course the virus wipes them out the humans are have built up tolerances to all the viruses except for the novel viruses uh so we didn't have a, a twist on that at all. And we haven't seen kind of a war of the worlds uh, germs eventually win. And Germs are good, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I mean, I, one, one might imagine that the World War of the Worlds is still a real, really current book, certainly and in the, the 60s. the BBC just re-dramatized it. They did. I've, have, you, have you seen that? I haven't watched that yet. I have yet. not. No, no, I haven't. Okay. 
Um, so I mean, I, I, the only reason I can think of that maybe people have thought, well, that they've just, you know, they've been too obvious that they would just be ripping off the war, the, the war of the worlds. <laughs> that never, never, well, never stopped them before. <laughs> but it really would have been, I mean, especially with like, you know, Jeff Lynne and is it Jeff Lynne? Anyway, you know, that, that musical adaptation of the war of the worlds, which was huge in the seventies in Britain, mm. Mm, um, okay. with, with like Richard Burton and, um, and David Essex. And I think David Essex was in it anyway. Um, mm. that was a big deal. Maybe it would just be too sort of current in some sort of way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Interesting yeah, that interesting. I didn't, they haven't done that. Well, uh, it could be that the solution is so well known that it's, it's, it, it'd be hard to extract the DNA, the nucleus out of that idea and transport it as Doctor Who without being a blatant yeah. ripoff. Yeah. Well, talking about being blatant ripoffs, <laughs> let's fast forward to um, The Invisible Enemy. Yeah, which is a blatant ripoff in in many ways of a Hollywood of the uh, Fantastic Voyage. Yeah, yes, <laughs> absolutely. It's yeah, it is the Fantastic Voyage only with um only Lord, with Doctor Who and without it. Raquel Welch, without Raquel Welch, without Donald Pleasance or Rock Hudson, <laughs> all of the people who are in that who are in that film. Um, yeah, so I I just watched that this afternoon, and you know, it's it's um. Uh, it's it's as good as it's, it's as good. <laughs> I always I always watch I always watch episodes of Doctor Who like that, like hoping that I might be able to extract something new from it. I it's uh yeah actually this is, it's it's okay. It's Bob Baker and Dave Martin. Um, there's way too many sets. Um, there's way too much going on. There's too uh, much going on with that story. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's like they could have halved the amount of stuff that's happening in that story. Um, it's got some cool scientific concepts in it. I the atmosphere of Titan, the mix with oxygen, <laughs> spoiler alert, and that's how they kill everything. And what what if a what if a regular sized virus was the size of a human? Right. Those are two cool things. The mm-hmm. rest of it's kind of pants, to be honest. <laughs> what I had, what I hadn't, what I, what I, what, what was a pleasant memory for me? I suddenly realised is um is Leela leaping around in that um shiny green kind of fetish outfit um <laughs> in the last episode. That was oh yeah, I forgot about that. Um, uh-huh. So that was that was something for the dads there, I think. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, and also, I, and, and this is not obviously my recent feeling, but it certainly was my feeling back in 1978. Was it 78? Mm-hmm. Um, 77, 78. 77, 78. 78. Um, it was a story that introduces K-9. Um, and I hated yep. K-9 at the time. Absolutely <laughs> hated K-9 with a passion. I think passion. you're on record for that. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not still not that keen on K9 to be honest. He's grown he's grown on me. He's grown on me. But um yeah, K9 starts in that story. He does. Did you forgotten that, huh? I know I I I I did actually know that. So it's gritting <laughs> gritting my teeth. Though I actually for the first time I watched it with the uh digital the CGI effects. Oh yeah, does it help? It helps a lot actually oh, because okay. um the those kind of very very shoddy kind of paint box laser because there's a lot of laser there's a lot of laser blast fighting yeah, in it yeah, yeah. a huge amount of fighting that, with laser that, bu- laser guns yeah season season 15 has a lot of laser things i'm, I'm thinking of the underworld too which had a lot yeah, of yeah that could do things. with some some laser effects well, yeah, it's star wars it's the whole star wars impact well i mean i think this is what got me about k9 at the time because i felt well they're just putting in an r2d2 into doctor who and i don't really <laughs> agree with that and but and also the uh, the kind of uh, lightning effect that so when contact is made yeah, ah, yeah. contact has been made that was that's greatly improved by mm-hmm. by switching on the CGI. If we're trying to improve this story, which I think we always stumble into this uh, into this trap when we talk about the invisible enemy, it, like you said, there's too much going on. If you had just focused in on the virus and you got rid of the whole fantastic voyage bit, perhaps yeah. perhaps it would have would have been a little more focused because the fantastic voyage is good i mean it's been reused in inside the dalek inside the dalek of course but it can withstand on its own it's the idea can stand on its own and the whole virus uh taking over uh external to uh the body or you know a a virus on its own that that also could work so there's again in the in the whole uh card deck of doctor who ideas there's too many cards dealt with this one yeah and i think i mean some better design choices i mean it's really obvious that the nucleus of the swarm when he's at his full size is on wheels (laughs) again they should have gone a lot more down the kind of sill route on that and have someone that they had to carry rather than obviously kind of just wheel down the corridor that doesn't work that well 
Mm-hmm. I think also, actually, having just read the, you know, I, I often I like to have the info text on nowadays because I'm interested in that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, one of the original design uh, suggestions for the whole thing is that when they go inside the doctor's brain, it would be uh, like a Cambridge college or a uh, like an old big old house huh. with like lots of kind of wood paneled rooms and things. Right. Which actually would have been kind of awesome thinking about it. Um, if you had had one of those great old European libraries with multi-levels. Yeah, and... absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which would, would, have, would have been super cool. I mean, it would have, you know, I guess, you know, they ended up sort of doing that in in the Invasion of Time when you know, right. the TARDIS becomes an old <laughs> abandoned hospital. Yep. Yeah, so that would have been kind of neat, I think. Um, well, that that's always been my knock against the journey to the center of the TARDIS. You could have gone oh, on yeah. location many different locations oh, you didn't God, have to yeah. tie them together you and you, bleh. anyways it was just a horrible corridor fest it was just mm-hmm. that, that yeah that was yeah missed mm-hmm. opportunity missed opportunity um, so so the whole uh, fantastic voyage is a i think a isaac asimov story yeah, it is i think it was a movie first i think that asimov wrote the screenplay and then turned it into a novel mm-hmm. as far as i remember mm-hmm. but still yeah. if, it, if it is his uh it's his idea so yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and I think other—I mean, other franchises have used it. Rick and Morty did something too. Where oh they, yeah, well, it's an obvious. Yeah, you know, I mean, I mean, well, I mean, it's like it's like the Tesselector as well. You know, what happens <laughs> if we could go inside something that's you know, yeah, that's really, uh, you know, that's a human-sized thing. Yeah, yeah. Again, I, I would have made the virus a lot more gloopy. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I would, I would have, I would have kind of made it more i mean what's again to rewind back to genesis of the daleks what's awesome another awesome thing about that show or that uh series that story is they really kind of ramp up the kind of body horror aspects of it you know with the giant clams and you know the kind of gloopy tanks where the daleks live and etc 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 um they kind of shy away from that with the nucleus of the swarm he's just not disgusting enough Right. And I would have made everything a little more dis- a little more disgusting. Right, even the feather makeup that they have around the actors' eyes, who have the the swarm. It's, it's a it's, bit fish people, yeah. It's a, it's fish people, or it's Mardi Gras carnival type yeah. mask. It's it's not it's not horrific like with uh, Jeffrey Palmer in the Silurians with all the uh, boils and lesions on his face. Or, no. Well, it's not even horrific like, you know, the Green Death is horrific, you know, where people are kind of glowing green. Um, yeah. You know. Um, which, which we've kind of kind of skipped over. It's it's That's more of a bacterial... Well, that's more it's of a chemical. It's chemicals. It's, chemicals. Yeah. it's, it's evil yeah. chemicals. Um, mm-hmm. But also, I mean, it, it's not as it's not as horrific as the, you know, the the other one with Frederick Jaeger in it, Planet of Evil. Yeah. You know, where, you know, there's like glowing green lines and glowing eyes and stuff. It's just, it's just silly. It's silly. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. Actually, it is Mardi Gras looking. It is, it is silly in that kind of right, way. Right, right. And it could have been just a lot more horrible. And I suppose, you know, Graham Williams was coming in and he had this brief to make everything less horrible. Um, and, and less, and less money too. So. And less money, less horribleness. Mm-hmm. Um, it does feel cheap, certainly. I mean, I just think mm-hmm. they spent quite a lot of money on the models. Because there's a lot of model spaceship in it, yep. but anyway, yep. yeah. Accompanied by a great Dudley Simpson soundtrack with that. That I mean, that that's really the best part in <laughs> the Invisible Enemy for me is the model work in Dudley Simpson's uh, yeah. uh, spaceship suites that he does agreed. in that one. Absolutely agreed. Um, no, no, no. I would, I wouldn't disagree there. I wouldn't so disagree. Refresh my memory, if you recall, with the uh, pyramid at the end of the world. Do we see any kind of horrible lesions or anything like we saw with on Doctor Lawrence and Masters? No, and stuff I think Silurians. And... I, I, I can't say I can remember as any better than you can, um, but I don't think we do actually. <laughs> I mean, I think we probably had our fill of horrible horribleness with the with the monkeys. Um, mm. Yeah, they were kind of flesh rotting zombie type yeah they're kind of they really are mummies i mean they're not they're not mummies they're mummies Mummies. Um, yeah they're mummies they're reanimated mummies Mm -hmm. so i don't think the i don't think the the disease there does does anything um it's all implied yeah yeah Yeah, implied yeah Mm -hmm. yeah so is there more beyond uh the invisible enemy in classic who that really did with germs or virus that's comes to mind well i mean i think less and less comes to mind in the 80s um mm-hmm. i mean one thing that was coming to my mind is the visitation 
Oh, with the plague. Yep, because the plague. You know, which is an actual plague. Um, mm-hmm. But then again, you know, it's not really part of the plot. It's like, ooh, yes, the, the, doc- the doctor. It's, it's the weapon it's the... that they're going to unleash. It's, the, it's, it's yeah. like a Terry Nation germ bomb or biological bomb. Yeah, yeah. And it also allows us to go, ha, 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 is the doctor who started the Great Fire of London, you know, which yeah, is, yeah. Yeah, you know, yep. which is as interesting as that sounds. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, my mind is currently draw- has been drawing a blank on the rest mm-hmm. of any kind of disease in the 1980s. So it wasn't really a concern. It, it, it seems like uh, as the newer writers came in, the older writers who grew up before there were vaccinations and there was polio epidemics and flu epidemics and things like that, that generation was no longer writing as much for the program. And then we right. have uh, children of, of the 60s who had seen Doctor Who, had grown up with Doctor Who, but then this was before anti-vaxxers. Vaccination and were, were commonplace. Diseases were on the, the wane. Antibiotics were still uh, very effective and they were being applied to everything. So people weren't getting as sick. So diseases and illnesses really weren't... Uh, weren't seen as such a uh, sci-fi threat or anything that was contemporary. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so in the two doctors, how does the doctor become an androgram again? Is that's not a disease? Is it's it? It's the genetic manipulation. I think it's a uh, right. Uh, dis- so it's, it's something. Dis- it's something. It's something medical, but it's not a. It's not. Yeah, an no, it's not an infection. I think that they're doing a DNA uh, re re editing. They're doing. Yeah, I just had some. I just had silly eyebrows in my head for a second. So I was like, oh yeah, maybe that was a disease. But I mean, I think yeah. I mean, I think you're right. I think things like kind of gene splicing and DNA and that's thing. That sort of thing becomes a lot more current. Mm-hmm. Um, for kind of sci-fi writers and people who then write then go who then write Doctor Who, which is kind of one level removed from writing sci-fi in some <laughs> ways. Um, no, it, it, in in the in the best possible way, it's sci-fi fantasy. It's sci-fi fantasy. Yeah, yeah. And then in the new series, I think we've I think we've covered most of the. So it's interesting how it, it you know thirty years, forty years have passed. Thirty years, thirty years have passed. That it's now coming back into Doctor Who. We saw it manifest itself twice now in series 12 with the Hopper right, virus, right. which is kind of the joke virus, which you know Doctor can blow in a bag and right. um, knock uh, toast and coal on the head and out it comes. But then the Praxius bacteria is kind of seen as a space plague. And in in retrospect, just kind of rethinking it, it kind of reminded me of the crinoid, which was a spore. Oh, yes, oh, where, mm. but it, it, it took over Keeler's body in you know on on Chase's estate there, and it was it was again kind of a body horror infection, where Doctor Who writers, I think use viruses or these bacteria as for body horror it's taking you over just like within uh praxius where it turned you into this very scaly plasticky it's like you're covered in plastic spoons type creature right so right. It, it's in, it's interesting that it, it's coming back i guess yeah yeah i mean i wonder whether the current excitement which you know is currently due to last for between two weeks and like two years or something right. god knows um whether that will kind of knock the head on i i don't you know i maybe we don't want to watch any drama about an evil disease that kills everybody because we just had one of those mm-hmm. um or whether that will make it something that we want to watch drama about yeah. um i suspect certainly sitting in seattle where everyone is like not only kind of pissed off by this but also kind of freaked yep. out i mean um more than anything <laughs> else to be honest i think maybe we may want to not think about mm-hmm disease born apocalypses for a little bit yeah longer yeah and yeah. um, we may think of we want to we may want to think about other kind of threats mm-hmm. and it, it makes me again go back to a point that i made previous uh podcasts is sometimes i'm not sure that doctor who works really well anymore because it, it just points out in these kind of now we have a pandemic we don't have a doctor there really isn't a True. doctor, and the stories that True. where the doctor gets involved with viruses or uh, germ bacteria, uh, it's all a very quick fix, and this is not a quick quick fix, and so not a quick fix. So the the yeah. it's it's harder to suspend disbelief when it's going to be very hard for an audience to suspend disbelief having now we have a global pandemic, uh, yep. uh, we're we're seeing. Uh, 
you know, family members get infected or you you know, hear of friends being, you know, everyone is in you know, social distancing, quarantine. We're not going to want to see uh, the doctor, you know, whiz bang, Kick do some science fingers. in a lab, uh, sonic it and, oh, Bob's your uncle and we have a cure. Yep. Yeah. And I think, you know, we, I think that's one of the things that as far as I remember from what we were saying was, you know, mightily disappointed us about something like Orphan 55, as much as we agree with the sentiments, mm-hmm. um, it's like, okay, well, yeah, um, it's not really as easy as that. Right. And I think is, again, I think as we've said before, you know, one of the great, uh, it's it's a great idea that the main series, I can't speak for kind of, you know, spin-offs and big finish and uh, novels and things, you know, the main series has never really gone back to World War Two because it's much better to deal with that through metaphor. It's more satisfying. It's used better to use that use the nazis as a use the daleks as a use the nazis as a way to inform the evil of the daleks um rather than say well like you know why didn't the doctor go and stop the nazis from casting six million jews you know right um uh because arguably they could have done right well i mean we we touched on it twice in this series the doctor goes back in uh well moffat goes back and let's kill hitler which uh, it still yes. leaves a bad taste in my mouth from just kind of does and yeah, then kinda does. Uh, just with uh, Noor Khan in Paris with the master being a Nazi and yeah. it yeah. it's it t- it still touches I think a little too close to pointing out yep. the 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 flaws in Doctor Who and then when you when you big up the Doctor to to make her or him more and more powerful rather than dealing with. Uh, the doctor just saves the villagers, just stops the alien invasion in this small place. It, it when you have something global or a pandemic, you have a children of Earth type situation. It just points out uh, you can be like R- RTD saying, uh, you can be like Russell T Davis saying, "Well, the doctor wasn't around this. That's how the story happened." Or yeah. it can point out saying, "This is really fantasy and." our universe really isn't the doctor's universe or our world isn't. There. Yeah. And I think that that's one of the fast, one of the great things about children. I mean, I, you know, I, I think we can go backwards and forwards on the excellence of Torchwood. Um, <laughs> and it, I think in general, it's not that excellent, but I mean, children of the earth is a very, very sobering show. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, a part of that Torchwood narrative, because it is kind of R2D, you know, being in the kind of Doctor Who fantasy sandbox and say, okay, what happens if there, there is right. no, around, no one around to save right. you? And aliens arrive, and they are deeply horrible. Mm-hmm. What do we do? Right. And actually, we don't do anything, and it ends up being a massive bummer, mm-hmm. which is, I guess, what we are currently in. And you know, it's only going to get worse um, before it gets better. So, uh, yeah, and again, I think it's interesting. Uh, driving to work yesterday, they had RTD on the on NPR talking about um, years and years, which I thought had already debuted on HBO, but maybe it mm-hmm. hasn't yet. Anyway, he was talking about talking about years mm-hmm. and years. And what was interesting about that show, again, when I watched it, is it was, you know, it was kind of cliffhanger based and at the end of each episode, something worse happened. Mm -hmm. Yet at the very end, RTD felt the need to kind of, you know, pull a metaphorical joyful rabbit out of a hat and say, actually, everyone got better and it was (laughs) fine and everyone's happy now and it wasn't as bad as it sounds, which is kind of a cop out, really. Um, But maybe that's what we kind of have to do nowadays is actually... You know, we. I mean, I'd be interested to see whether how long you know things like The Walking Dead and Fear the Fear the Walking Dead kind of you know carry on now that we are facing, uh, uh, you know, relatively serious changes to our living accommodations on this planet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the whole fabric yeah. of our lives now is is certainly disrupted, and it uh, right now we're on a logarithmic uh, <laughs> or exponential. Uh, growth in our curve here we're certainly not flattening the curve so it's uh yeah no, no, and no. um doctor who is a long way off we're at least 18 months away i don't know if chibnall he is uh started writing it well we i mean we guess we have, we have the christmas special don't we with i guess that's that's true everyone we, we everyone leaving uh, is everyone leaving or is it uh definitely graham is leaving well definitely graham um i'd heard that everyone was going okay but, well, um maybe i don't wrong. know uh, I mean, when I say I heard, someone told me on Twitter. I mean, <laughs> it's not as if like you know, I've Chris Chibnall emailed me and said, "You know, I'll, I'll just tell you, everyone's leaving." Bye. <laughs> um, 
So I, just I, this I, once, I Rose. Everyone leaves. That's, everyone leaves. <laughs> um, so I, yeah, I've got no inside track, obviously, mm-hmm. but um, that's the rumor. Everyone is going, which is a shame because I, I wish Graham would stay. Graham is my favorite yeah. companion. Well, following up on the last podcast, Joe Martin is the doctor on DWM. He is the doctor. That was a nice, nice uh, thing to see. Praise the company. Praise the company um, that, that 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 has happened. So, have you, yes. Have you gotten your issue? I've not got my issue yet. It is ordered. Um, I don't know. I, maybe, maybe, maybe everyone's dead to North America. Oh, so they that. haven't <laughs> said, it, said it to me yet. Um, no, I'm sure they aren't. But um, I think things are a bit slow mm-hmm. across the country right yeah. now. So it'll it'll turn up Sunday. Um, uh, but you, you 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 get the digital copy. Yeah. Right? So is it? It's a good. It, it'll be. It's a good you issue. You'll be happy with it. I think. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. And uh, I'm concerned about their uh, friends and family in the UK. It sounds like there are uh, quite a rush on the shops. Yeah, well, it's the same here in Seattle. Um, everyone's buying everything. Uh-huh. I just talked to my talked to my sister this morning, so um, I think people are just um, how, now battening down the hatches. Yeah, my thought is, how much is that uh, COVID nineteen, and how much of that is Brexit, and is it a perfect storm of the two? Yeah, I mean, I think if, have have we been connected to Europe? I think we would have had a far more coordinated response to this thing, and I think you know, obviously, and I think Boris Johnson's. Or the, the Johnson government's tactics for dealing with this outbreak are like almost diametrically opposed to what the rest of Europe is doing. I think that's deliberate, um, which is exactly the way you shouldn't approach a massive health emergency. But, you know, it seems to be pretty criminally negligent, actually. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, not that the U.S. is doing much better, but to let everyone just get it and try to just let it blow through the population doesn't seem like a very smart thing to do. That is well, um, you know, I, for those who follow U.K. politics closely, I mean, there are some pretty dodgy people close to the center of government. Dominic Cummins, who is um, Boris Johnson's kind of special advisor, is a well-known proponent of hard truths, in inverted commas. Um, You know, they just had to sack another special environment, a special advisor who was a a proponent of eugenics. So I think there's probably, there's some element inside the government that says, you know, we need to we need to do the tough hard true thing and it's time to you know winnow out the herd and mm. you know weak people the strong should survive and it's only a good thing for the country if the weak people die yeah not a not a good look. and i'm not and i'm and i'm i'm not i'm not i'm not exaggerating it's it's probably not as as overt as that but there is definitely elements within the johnson government who think that that's a good thing mm-hmm. and i see a similar type talk with the the trump administration too so yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's it's, a... it's not a good time to be in the west <laughs> no 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 i mean again i mean i haven't heard of any of this i don't know i don't know what they're doing in you know the old-fashioned east i saw the you know the putin's russia i haven't heard anything about covid19 in russia but i guess he'll just take everyone out i mean i think he'll just do the north korea thing just shoot everybody um so they won't yeah. communicate the disease well, it's a, it's a shock doctrine. Never let a disaster go unwasted. So exactly, exactly. Not if it can not not if it can increase your hold on power. So yeah, well, that's a bit of a bummer end to the end, end to the podcast. Yeah. So I think we have coming up in the coming months. We have faceless ones. It's faceless been ones, dispatched yeah. from the UK, so we will be watching that in the next week or so. Maybe next two weeks. I think mine doesn't come until April. And uh, we have Series 12, which we can always dip back into and talk to. But then we have to figure out what we're going to talk about for the rest of the, the year. year. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's always Big Finish. That helps. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I'm sure podcast fans will think of something. Yes. And we might even remember a story or two uh, in the coming yes. weeks. <laughs> yes. Because it's, it's, especially if we're socially distancing and having to stay at home with our beautifully curated selection of DVDs. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe maybe some judicial rewatches will be. I, I think that might be in order. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, well, thank you for listening to episode 151 of the Metabulous 2 podcast. I have been socially distant from Ben. And I have been as far away as humanly possible from David. And talk to you later. Bye. Okay. Goodbye. Goodbye.